Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I'm Adam. And we are somehow here, despite all the chaos that has uh, befallen us in the last few days. I I blame the HCV drivers, if anything. (laughs) Topical. It's got to be them. You're going to be listening to this in six months' time and go, what the fuck (laughs) do you want about HCV drivers? If Um, if I was getting paid 20% more, yeah. Um, so we were, as previously mentioned, we were supposed to be having a guest um, and covering Martyrs, um, but uh, entirely 100% my fault. I hold my hand up. Uh, we've not been able to do that, unfortunately. So Manny will hopefully be joining us in a month's time. Uh, we'll keep you posted on what we will be covering when he joins us. Um, oh, excellent. So that was our first hiccup. And then our second hiccup was we were supposed to record last night, as we normally do. No, nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. <laughs> Adam and I arrived Classic on time. Distraction techniques. <laughs> Look, I'm firing green lasers. <laughs> Adam and I arrived on time uh, after about 25 minutes. Still no Chris. So I phoned him and he didn't answer. And then phoned me back. And his first words were Saturday, isn't it? Yes, Chris, it is Saturday. It's recording done. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't do that now. I ain't watched the film yet. <laughs> I thought I thought we recorded on Fridays. What happened to that? Yeah. Well, then you'd have been twice as late. Oh, yeah. I've got yeah. to think up these excuses, haven't I? Yeah. That, that, that's an even worse one. Yeah. It's, 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 ne- it's, never the good, it's never the good things. of You know, it's like, I didn't go into work yesterday. Don't compound it with, Sorry, I didn't come into work yesterday, but I was off my tits on masculine. <laughs> That's it. That's yeah. what I should have said. Yeah. Lee um, would have let that one go. Is that my cousin, We'd all let that slide. My cousin once lost a job because uh, he worked <laughs> in a window factory and he took the day off. And his excuse, which wasn't the truth, his excuse was, I was on my way into work smoking a joint at the bus stop and the police arrested me. So I couldn't phone in and let you know. Because they'd arrested me. So they said, so you're on your way into the factory, stoned off your tits. You can pick up your paycheck and on your bike, sir. So uh, well done for that one, Bust. Uh, did you say that was the truth or wasn't the truth? I don't think it was, as it I remember. Wasn't. It wasn't the truth. So no, what could have been the truth? truth? What was worse it was, it than was that? Just the best one <laughs> that was better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless him. Um, so... But we are here, uh, as promised, uh, for everyone who follows the Instagram. So if you didn't know about the change of film, one, I apologise that you watched Martyrs. Uh, and two, why aren't you on the Instagram being aware that we are now covering 1963's classic, The Raven? Um, but before... Oh, go on, Chris. Well, no, the, the biggest shock I had in this was that for the whole film... As much as I was enjoying it, I was looking for Jack Nicholson to appear. Right now, <laughs> you you might say, "What's wrong with you?" There might well be something wrong with me. I just could not recognise him as the young guy. Just did not at all see it. It didn't register with uh, Jennifer either until I said, didn't oh, it? Oh, "I'm not all sure." Clear. Early That's or weird. his first like... appearance, and she went, "Who's?" Yeah, <laughs> but but anyway, I mean, we... like now. Yeah, anyway, we're right jumping on. ahead again. We keep doing this. Um, so before we get into this evening's movie that Chris is very excited to talk about, mm-hmm. Chris, did you watch anything in the last two weeks? 
Uh, yes, yeah, so we we were watching obsessively uh, the expanse. Okay. Now, have, have either of you heard of that? I've heard of it. I haven't. What it's the sci-fi thing from Netflix. It is yeah. Uh, well, so it started on Netflix probably years ago now, and we started watching it probably on then, but then it stopped on there, I think, and then appeared on Amazon Prime, and now they've carried it on. They got one more season, I think they're going to do. They've done five seasons. It changes. It changes enough each season, um, but still, for me, just covers everything I like about sci-fi. It's got fantastic philosophy, fantastic science, fiction, spaceships, shooting, loads of politics, um, interesting characters. It just covers everything. So uh, it does have elements of horror throughout um, because they have this this. They call it the proto molecule, and it's essentially like you don't really know. It's sort of monster, like it is alien, but it's it's very monster like in what it does, okay. and it's kind of psychological as well as actually creating kind of these beings and also hybrids of humans and it. So it's all quite uh, unusual. Then it then it starts to expand into you know uh, the the sort of interdimensional kind of ideas and so yeah it's uh, it's it's i thought it was really good um not but now we've got another like hmm. no i was just gonna say not wishing to do a chris but i'll admit when you said what you was watching i was watching a plane out the window and i didn't hear what it was what what is this sorry <laughs> what's the program it's it's the expanse the oh sorry yeah, yeah. so it Car- seems sorry, seems, <laughs> seems like it's got a bit of a cult following mm. um following on from um I've forgotten the name of it. It's, uh, Battlestar Galactica, the, yeah. the remake that also got a bit of following mm. um, for, for similar reasons, really. It just, you know, it covers a lot of what like from that kind of sci-fi, I suppose. So, yeah, so that's that's what we watched until we got to the end of it. Nice. Excellent. Sounds good. Um, Adam, what have you been watching? Uh, I've got... Um... I've, I've got two bits. Um, I watched uh, Alt Fright Fest doing their digital thing, which I think actually finishes today. So by the time people are listening to this, fuck it, you wouldn't be able to watch anything anyway. <laughs> but for next year, if they do it again, um, I watched on their digital, like their streaming, because they had obviously they had the had the actual festival at Leicester Square. Uh, last weekend mm-hmm. and then throughout this week they've just put the best of like a, a sort of basically all the big stuff mm. um up on um up for uh, streaming uh i was a bit reluctant at first because i was like well you can't pause it and you can't you don't keep it afterwards and you can't rewind it and then my brain some vague memory in my brain just went yeah like the cinema yeah and i was like oh yeah no that's true if i went to the cinema see this i couldn't pause it take it go for a slash without missing anything um but yeah they um and you know pretty good i think it was like eight quid but um yeah so i watched um uh the show which is the new film that alan moore's done i think i've spoken about show pieces which is the short films on here before mm-hmm. um and this is like a continuation of that I'll be 100% honest, I am nuts deep in this fucking project and obsessed with it. 
So my critical faculties might be off because <laughs> it might mean that if someone else, if someone watches it without having seen the short films, you might be thinking, what? What the fuck's going on? Yeah. But I think you could watch it and pick up without having seen the shorts. But but Showpieces is on Shudder. So I recommend okay. people watch that anyway. And it's the thing where basically um, Alan Moore's created uh, a world called Nighthampton, which is the sort of flip dead side of Northampton, where he comes from. And he is basically a cross between Alistair Crowley, Peter Cook and Viv Stanchel, in that he's a 60s sort of early surrealist comic, part of a double act called, uh, he's Frank Metaton of Metaton and Matchbright. Um, and basically there's all this thing about, oh, well, he was rumoured to be involved with the occult. And basically he's created his own universe with okay. him as God and his old double act partner as the devil. So basically it's Derek and Clive, if Derek was God and Clive, oh, I can't remember which one was Clive and which one was Derek now, but anyway, um, yeah. But basically if Peter Cook was God and Dud was the devil. Nice. Um, and yeah, this, that, that was genuinely like really good and goes to prove it because the, the short films were like t 2013 or something like that mm -hmm. when they released them they've been sort of building them up but the amount that still harks in and explains like the film explained bits of the short stories and uh, the short films and vice versa so it is like it's obviously a genuine whole world in his big brain yeah and um with um but there's loads of uh, surprise sort of members of the cast, including Mr. Andrew O'Neill. All oh, right, okay. Um, playing, and get this, because I think it's stretched him somewhat. Uh, he's playing a cross-dressing occult stand-up comedian. <laughs> so, yeah. The fact the fact that he's not called Andrew, I think, is probably the 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 only thing that makes it not actually be Andrew O'Neill. In that case, is it not uh, so, that Andrew O'Neill yeah, is um, just an actor and has just been embedded in this for the last 20 years? If that that could be the case, and frankly, I think I think him and Alan Moore should get a room. So <laughs> I know that uh, I, I know that the only thing that would be stopping Andrew O'Neill from licking uh, Alan Moore's balls is because I was in the way. So, <laughs> you know. I think he would he would have just portrayed this part for <laughs> for this length of time just to add backstory because um, that was that was my favourite bit of the whole film though I finally got because when the short films came out I was looking up stuff online and I stumbled across an old looking website that Alan Moore had obviously set up but it was done like on Angel Fire oh god and it's that old sort of it's like it is. I'll send you a link just to just to look at it and admire it as an artifact because it is <laughs> the perfect late nineties website that someone's mm. made. Ouch! It is just yeah, it's just beautiful. You know, in you know, in that way, like you watch, look around you, and it looks exactly like programs for schools. Yeah, it's that same thing where you look at it and it's like this. The attention to detail in this mm. is incredible. It's got the it's got like the uh, yellow on black uh, Starfield uh, 
sort of blog pages. It's got the little spinning 3D uh, GIFs and icons and stuff like that. Does it change and, your mouse into its own cursor? That is the only thing that they don't it have. Doesn't. Is I did think that they do need that thing. Where, <laughs> That's the where final, you, the final thing. Where you move the mouse and it had the little like star trail mm, behind trail, it. Yeah. That just meant that the website was shitter to use because it just took longer. Work out where you are, and yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll have to send you the link just so you can admire that as a thing of beauty. But um, like, what the it's and that was like the woman who created that website. She's in it. Like the character who this website is meant to have been created by, she turns up in it, as does her son, who was who gets mentioned on the website because he's the one who set her up with it because she's meant to be like <laughs> in her sort of fifties, and it's like, well, my son helped me up with this new internet, thing. <laughs> and it is just like it is a proper son. I'll, I'll yeah, I'll put it together for you, mum, but it's not, mm. it's not great, you know, <laughs> it's not. Um, so yeah, that was good, and also makes me realize that the fright fest streaming definitely i would do again if they're uh if they got the times right and things like that um and the other thing i watched was on shudder which is jacob's wife i caught up um, today on your recommendation last night uh, yes yeah, so you so, oh, so you've seen it as well then sir. yes yes fantastic okie dokie then uh so what did you think i loved it i thought it was brilliant um yeah, really entertaining. The gore was fantastic. It was so over the top. Mm. It was hilarious. Um, uh, Barbara Crampton, as always, was just absolutely on fire. Um, yeah, I just thought it was a really... I think it's... I've seen a lot of stuff recently that I quite enjoy, but I can't see myself going back to, whereas this, I think, is one that possibly in six months, a year's time, I'll be like, let's go back and revisit that. Because, yeah, it was, it was a really enjoyable watch. So thank you for uh, giving me the heads up. Yeah, it just gets the horror. It gets the horror right. It gets the comedy right, and I think that yeah, that that's definitely. And I, I agree with you. I think it's one where it'll be like, well, yeah, I watched that like I watched that a couple of years back. I'll definitely watch that again. You know, I mean, probably uh, even to the point where it'll probably be because I'd imagine that the direct the production team will go on to other things from this because it's a really good film. Hmm. Um. So no doubt when they're uh, when they're riding high on like their third film that really does amazingly, we'll be covering Jacob's wife. Yeah, <laughs> we always we always <laughs> seem to hit the continuities and uh, coincidences and stuff. So yeah, I, I think I, it's good. I look like, sorry, I think it's good though because like you say, oh, I mean, yeah. a new film comes out and everyone's talking about that. If we're talking about what they did previously that less people have probably seen. I think that's an in. I think you know, we've oh, accidentally definitely. found a nation. <laughs> we we are accidentally topical, but in a <laughs> but in like a psychochronotic way. I think <laughs> we're like I, we're we're sitting there. We're a podcast from Idea Space. So, <laughs> speaking of which, I was sitting there the other day and I had to look up the name of Bella Lugosi's dad, so I could sing Bella Lugosi's dad. And then I typed it into uh, I typed it into YouTube three months ago. Someone had put up a song called Bella Lugosi's Dad, which was oh, about wow. Bella Lugosi's dad. And I was like, 
Right, obviously just the time for it. It's the <laughs> Alan Moore idea space thing of like, so, oh yeah, it must just be the time that we're all thinking Bella Lugosi's dad. So, <laughs> uh, by Lobster Thermidor, I recommend it on YouTube. So, <laughs> Excellent. Um, I've not been catching up with much apart from that. I have restarted at, at the worst time possible, to be fair, but I knew it. Uh, Utopia, the original <laughs> series. Um, yeah. Yeah, just finished the third episode before we started recording tonight. It's oh, it's so fantastically dark and hilarious and genuinely terrifying. Uh, yeah, especially mm. everything that's going on at the moment. I, I still think it's one of the cleverest TV shows that's ever been broadcast, but um, also one of the most horrible and dark. So it, it, it yeah, it ticks all it's those boxes. Yeah, because I because I know I think there's sort of there's stuff in there that I think in less in work in sort of less talented hands would just put you right off. Yeah. Mm. So I think yeah, that's a testament to Utopia that it's like, and it still makes you fucking laugh. But, you know, it's sort of yeah, it's just such a shame what, it never got third would, series. Now I know we have talked about it before. What would you compare it to? It's a conspiracy thriller, sort of kind of sci-fi, but not quite. Um, but it is basically about um, unleashing biological warfare because of the as population control. Okay. So it's basically about sending out a disease, and um, not not a vaccine then. Not a vaccine. Well, because the, here's the thing: is that they send uh, the the point of the the point of the program is is that they're looking for someone who was related to so the person a, who. There's a, there's a comic book, and in it is hidden the secret of either a vaccine or something that they know is possibly going to save the world from this thing that's been released. Oh, and, and Neil Maskell in it just. Oh, he's, he's fucking brilliant. He's the funniest and most despicable human being on the planet in it. He's just incredible. Every, like, everything about him. There's a, with a, The bit we just saw, there's a scene where you see him enter a room dressed in not his normal clothes, and you only see him from, like, the bottom of his chest to his knees, and you know it's him immediately because he's got this really strange walk that he does that's just horrific <laughs> apparently uh neil maskell said in an interview his walk is inspired by mummy movies <laughs> i can see that like, that like that sort of shambling um shaky sort of thing yeah you can also tell it's him just because of the breathing yeah yeah the, and that is really funny until you watch back literally anything you've ever filmed on your phone and you're like is that my breathing? Yeah. Do I need to see a doctor? <laughs> you know, um, it'd be something quite, you're like, oh, look at this pleasant thing that I saw. And then over it. Or <laughs> 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 well, maybe that's just me. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I recommend everybody to watch it, but be sure that you watch the, the British version and not the American one, because that is the most, well, I only watched the first episode, I think, but it was the most watered-down, shitty version. It was like they'd taken the concept and ripped all the life out of it. Any sort of... They'd taken the comedy out of it. They'd taken the fear out of it. 
It was mm. just so tepid. It was ugh, dire. So, yeah. Dare, dare I say they've taken the British out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, is. It is, you know, it's like, oh, look, someone's, uh, someone's just blinded someone with uh, peppers and threatened to spoon their eye out. Yeah, but that's what would happen, wouldn't it? Hey, you know, <laughs> you didn't laugh, you cry out your good eye. So. <laughs> um, excellent. So, without further ado, or a don't, or don't. Um, as we mentioned, we uh, we have changed this evening and are covering the second, I believe, of our Corman Poe of the mm, Corman yes. Poe cycle, uh, mm-hmm. because we did Tales of Terror previously. Um, yep, so way we... back in uh, that was episode 19 oh god when we were still fresh faced and uh, still no <laughs> less professional than we are now yeah. but I, th- I think we were a fuck sight more professional then I think we've become quite you know sort of decadent <laughs> <laughs> well it is funny you know, we're I just think... sitting there I don't know it's Saturday how would I know it's Saturday <laughs> I-, I was going to say at least we've been consistent but we haven't even that. No. Well, it's funny. I used to, as soon as the microphone went on, I used to be very, well, must think Mm. about what you say, must be very, and now (laughs) I forget, and it is just like sitting around talking with you guys, and I just say stuff, and then later on I go, should I have said that? Should I have explained that that was a joke for anybody who doesn't know me? And like like last, was it last week when we were talking, and I was saying about the, I, I agree, climate change is a problem. I am not a climate change denier. My rant last week was about idiots who are trying to protest it by doing it in entirely the wrong way possible. But yeah, again, that was just another thing I didn't think about until during the week. And then I was like, do I, do people now think I deny climate change? And I was like, ah, oh, fuck it. Listen, <laughs> as, as, long, as long as your friends in the Flat Earth Society <laughs> don't hear about it, and they don't listen to this show, they don't like horror. Why... <laughs> They don't need horror because already they've got the horror of the fact that scientists are lying to them about the, the dimensions of the planet. Uh, they think horror is a conspiracy just to... Yeah, it's, it's a distraction. Yeah. Don't be questioning. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Give and all the answers with, in the horror films and then... And coming up with genuine... think it's made up. Coming up with genuinely good experiments that I could not even dream of, you know, coming up with to prove that the earth is flat, proving that the earth is curved, yeah. and then deciding that <laughs> they must they be got no, it wrong. Can't be they, right they measured it incorrectly. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. I was Because it's like, scientist, 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 priest. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, well, that can't be done. Well, faith, faith will have to do then. Oh, really? It's funny. I, um, I watched on Netflix this week. I didn't bring it up because it isn't horror, but I did watch uh, The Big Bang in Tunguska. I beg your pardon? The Big Bang in Tunguska. Did you hear about this? Oh, right. Okay, sorry. It sounded like the Big Baggy Tunguska. And I was like, <laughs> who's that? Sorry, mouthful of gun. Um, but yeah, so I watched that and it was very good. But it did very much have that same thing where everybody went there with their own theory and whatever they discovered fit everybody so they go right that proves it's an asteroid and the other guy go no that proves it was a volcano and then the other guy go that proves it was an alien it's like you're all just taking whatever you can get your hands on and sort of cramming Mm. it into your to be fair though the main guy who they were following did say 
I went out there thinking it was, uh, go, went out there to prove it was a meteorite. And now I'm fucked because I haven't got a clue because <laughs> I don't think it is anymore, but I don't know what else it could possibly be. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's good. Yeah. Yeah. At least so that's, like, that's, that's, that's the first step. Yeah. Yeah. I've proved my theory the wrong. Enlightenment. Yeah. And now I don't know what the fuck happened. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, reality. I, I know we should be getting on, but do you genuinely want to hear? And I will say that this this theory was laughed out of Dean's bedroom. <laughs> so you know, it's it's a classic. I just wondered, could someone have got a really, really sharp axe and just <laughs> just caught an atom on the corner and split it, <laughs> like when they were chopping the tree down? I'm surprised that was laughed you know, out of Dean from. You know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> it's sort of yeah. I've seen it's, that forged in fire. I reckon they could make an axe sharp enough to uh, split the atom. <laughs> you know, well, it's what it's what we did, didn't it? It's what Brits had to do: split the atom on the kitchen table. <laughs> the token saw. That's what we <laughs> did. You do it. So, but yeah, that's, so that was my theory, and you know the the. the the gathered people there look, looked through me like they'd like blackened my soul. <laughs> so I was at that point, I was like, yeah, probably, probably bollocks in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss being that drunk. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. So we are covering the Raven 1963. Chris, did you watch the right version? As there are three. Oh, that no, that that would that would really just make the night, wouldn't it? Go on, let's see. <laughs> that puts let's, lid on this. Let's see now. What one shouldn't I have watched? And I'll tell you if I didn't. Uh, you definitely shouldn't have watched. I nearly texted you and said the James Spader one, but it's not James Spader. It's John Cusack, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, you got, actually, got your, I watched got the, the James Spader one. Decade wrong there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I didn't watch the John Cusack one. Good. Well, Although I'd quite like to. Because did you watch the one with Bella Lugosi? Uh, that could have Brian been. Carlos. Your your ears are excited. <laughs> they are. <laughs> Sorry, this is all things you missed yesterday, mate. So um... I bet they're really excited. Like yesterday. To tell the listeners what you are currently wearing on the video. I'm wearing my. I'm I'm wearing an adult sized Hey Ducky hat with <laughs> with movable ears so i was wearing my propeller cap but my background took the propeller off so i just looked like i was wearing a hat and it somehow made me look more more like ridiculous was gonna, yeah like i was gonna have to sit in a corner and dribble i think so, i think your hey dougie is fitting in quite well there with the raven yeah, you know <laughs> i can let i can let you know when you do it see that that'd be that's quite a good point and that'd be i agree totally. anyway uh, it's a very hot day, so I'm going to take that off before I sit here and just drink my own sweat. <laughs> um, yeah, so just for the point of interest, the, yes, the other um, uh, Boris Karloff and Bella Lugosi, The Raven, is nothing like this, but also is a very entertaining film. So it's well mm. worth a watch if you do get a chance to see it. But we are currently on the Vincent Price Peter Laurie, Boris Karloff, and Jack Nicholson was mentioned earlier. Yeah. Yep. What the hell? Oh, and Hazel Colt, obviously. So well, Hazel so Hazel. so now I noticed on the cover that executive producer is James H. Nicholson. Now, is that a clue? I 
Or is don't, that totally unrelated? I don't know if that's um, I don't know if that's a, a relative of Jack Nicholson's. He had worked with Roger Corman before. Mm. Um, the Terror I was the same year as this, wasn't it? I believe Terror is the same year, which often gets mistaken for part of the Poe cycle. Mm. Um, Way too but yeah, mm, well, it's with um, uh, again and again with Boris Karloff. So yeah, it's but um, yeah no, I don't think that I don't think it's that. I think he was just in uh, you know. I think he was just because like we covered on because the good thing is obviously when we did Tales of Terror, we did a deep dive on Corman and uh, Vincent Price and um, uh, Peter Laurie, mm. and obviously we covered we've covered Karloff on loads of ones as well. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, Roger Corman would launched basically pretty much anyone who was any good in the 60s, 70s, and 80s in terms of like genre films or even blockbusters. And in terms of directors and actors, they all started with Roger Corman in one way or another. Joe Dante, uh, Martin Scorsese, you know, just and and similarly actors and everything, and they all just so I think Jack Nicholson was just, yeah, he was just an upcoming star at that point. Um, mm. Now, you guys fucked me over with um, Tom Cruise that time. I'm just going to say <laughs> this now. When I was like, but surely Tom Cruise has been in hundreds of movies. And then it turned out he'd only been in a few. Um, I'll give you a guess and, and try and make me impressed. Um, guess how many films Jack Nicholson's credited in? Oh. I say I won't answer this oh. because I've got a feeling I checked uh, to see ah. how many you'd done before this, so I think I've seen the answer. So I'll let Chris. Uh, I, I haven't. I'll go for. I would have thought a lot, but I'm assuming it's not quite as many again based on the Tom Cruise. But then it could be the opposite. It could be like <laughs> a million. So I'm going to go for 160. 79. Mm, okay. Yeah, that's as and, and again, I think he's the Tom Cruise thing. Yeah. Of obviously, it's like it's not as many as you necessarily think, but pretty much this is one of the few films you've watched Jack Nicholson in where it's not a Jack Nicholson film. Yeah, yeah. Because so, actually, the the bit I love the bit where um, when they're on the uh, carriage mm. and he gets possessed and starts driving yeah. the horses, that's when you get it's... Jack. Yeah, you know <laughs> I, I still did. I still couldn't. I couldn't see him like as in. Yeah, that absolutely fit his acting and his mm. character. But I still, it just didn't look like him for me. Now I don't. I mean, I might watch it again somehow. It clicks. But yeah, I just like obviously I could. I could see um, aspects of him, but just not. I don't know. Mm. Like, so it's interesting how. I mean, he must have been quite a bit older when he was really. I think that's the thing we know him from the sort of late eighties and nineties. Well, but like one for the Cuckoo's Nest later. was the earliest film I've ever seen him in, or mm. possibly yeah, a Shining. We, I don't know which was. Which yeah, um, one Flew Over was earlier than the Shining. I, I think. thought it was a bit, was, yeah. Because yeah, because One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest is seventies. Yeah. Okay. Shining is like nineteen eighty. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, I think yeah, we we sort of know him older and less yeah. dressed like Robin Hood. Mm. I think <laughs> he's 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 got hair, 
you know, towards it. He's got hair that doesn't seem to be making a bid to jump off his ears. <laughs> so, you know, um, yeah. but also, but also you do kind of, it does give you this thing where it's like, oh my God, Jack Nicholson was like proper leading man, good looking. Yeah. Because yeah. mm. like you say, in your head, you always think of him old, like older and especially sort of like, here's a picture of Jack Nicholson with eight, you know, eight young women on a boat. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's pure jab of the heart. Yeah, but but in the same way, like he looks unique. I mean, he's got he's got a look. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, just not classic good looks. Which like, is why he was perfect for the Joker. Like, yeah, he's got that face that as soon as they put that makeup on him, you're like, it's yeah, striking. That, that like, scary smile was always yeah. there, and as soon as you put yeah. it, it just looks. Yeah. Well, that the interesting enough, but you do get two Batman villains in this film. Hmm. Because, and I confess, this is what I did. I watched The Raven, and then immediately afterwards, I had to watch one of the old Adam West Batman episodes with Vincent Price's Egghead. Yes. Uh. So, and, I, and I didn't realise this, but Egghead's not a comic character he was creating for the series. Hmm. And loads of times they've tried to sort of bring him back, but DC, but DC don't own the rights to that character. Oh, no, Really? Yeah, there's a few that they made up for. In fact, there's quite a few they made up for the TV show. Uh, I think it was just like, right, we've got... Were they just running out or...? I don't know if they were running out or I think they just wanted the variety and it was kind of like, we know we can create... Did did they make them for particular actors? Like, was it that made... There's there's the distinct possibility because there's Vincent Price was Egghead Mm. and it's a... I mean, it's an arch... Even for Vincent Price, it is an arch performance. Mm. <laughs> and literally, it's just egg puns the whole way. So it's <laughs> excellent. And exact. Yeah, that, see, now that does sound like it was made for him. <laughs> yeah. But there was, because there was the other villain that they made up, this was King Tut, which was a guy called Victor uh, Bruno, Victor Bueno, something. And he, again, I suspect it was written for him because he is just fucking spectacular. Although, mm. although before before we leave Batman alone, I have to say, hands down, in that 60s series, Frank Gorshin's Riddler is the shit. Yeah. He is the fucking best. He is deranged. Yeah. And so he's just perfect. <laughs> and and when Jack Nicholson played the Joker, he quoted the Raven. Oh, in, uh. He, uh, he, at one point, there's a bit in uh, in Batman where he goes to Vicky Vale's flat, and Bruce and Bruce Wayne's there, but as Bruce Wayne, mm. and um, he sort of like says, "Oh, you've got another rooster in the hen house. Take thy beak from out my heart," mm-hmm. which is uh, a quote from yeah. the Raven. <laughs> and so, take thy form from off my door. My door. Quote yeah. the Raven. Yeah. Never mind. And, and actually. And thinking about it, Vincent Price does use eggs as weapons in the yeah. final conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like, you know, this, this this sort of this links up to Batman yeah. probably a, a fuck sight better than like Justice League or any of the <laughs> movies that they've done since Christopher Nolan told them fuck it. <laughs> it's funny, some of these um so some of the sets on this look fantastic and other ones just look 
terrible. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the film. I'm definitely not knocking it. I, I mm. loved every minute of it. And I've seen it half a dozen times before. Um, but yeah, the scene where they're walking across the bridge and the moon is under it and the torches are blazing, it looks fantastic. But when they pull up outside in the coach and they look up and it's that matte painting, but all the angles mm. are all off. And it's mm. just weird. But I, but I love I love that campiness about these. Films. Yeah, I think that's still again because it is a comedy. All mm. of that is seems you know way more acceptable. Yeah. Than if it was serious, that's that seems jarring. Whereas yeah, I, I didn't feel that. But I, obviously, I completely <laughs> understand what you mean. But yeah, somehow it's still okay. It doesn't take me out of it. I think weirdly enough, I think the first time I saw this. And this is years and years and years ago, like recorded off the telly one night. Um, I remember watching this and being quite disappointed with it because. Did, did you have high I, expectations? I didn't like, know it was a comedy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ah. Oh, so, no, 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 I've made that mistake. And I, exactly. Because <laughs> I, I think what had happened was I think it was probably part of they'd shown a couple of others hmm. and they'd probably shown. I, pretty sure they showed mask of the red death which is fucking amazing but also that is you know that's straight up that's as far from comedy as you can get uh, yeah, so, that's, that's so you'd, you'd been primed for that on 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 the vinceometer of that <laughs> that's definitely waging much nearer to which finder general at one end than bloodbath at the house of death at the other <laughs> So yeah because we, we, we'll build vince we'll get ways to build us a, a vinceometer yeah, <laughs> and we can we can use that as a as a vibrating scale. Oh God! Um, but that. yeah, so I, I remember watching it and being really because it was like this isn't scary and this is the, they're <laughs> being silly and it's you know light. I mean, even you know because but watching it, I mean, watching it. I mean, obviously, I then knew what it was hmm. and really every subsequent viewing always really enjoyed it. But I remember that first sort of time I was like, oh. <laughs> um, but then I probably was taking myself too seriously because I was younger. So, but, but, but that, do you prefer um, evaporated or dehydrated bat's blood? <laughs> as long as you remember the dead man's hair. <laughs> I, I, that actually, and I can see, I can see what happened because, funnily enough, it's weird because we'd obviously done uh, Tales of Terror, and this is the follow-up. This is the next one in the sequence. Ah. And basically, what had happened was, is they, you know, the, there's the black cat with Peter Laurie in Tales mm. of Terror, which is comedic, mm. mostly because of Peter Laurie being uh, pissed. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so that was kind of the inspiration, like Roger Corman and Richard Matheson's inspiration for The Raven was that they were like, oh, can we do a whole comic film? like a comedy fit. Essentially, they were like, can we do a horror comedy for the full length of a film? So it sort of comes from that. And you can see, um, like, you you can sort of, you can definitely see that lineage come through. Because mm. then I think, because I, I can't remember what's after this. It was, um, yes, yeah, the Haunted Palace after that. So they, I think they sort of then went back Maybe and maybe it had even been that they had received, like you know, maybe people hadn't uh, responded favourably to it for the same reason where they were expecting to see. Like, no, I'm just gonna, uh, I'm like, gonna say right, straight up horror film. Yeah. 
Hmm. Um, if you based, you know, what you thought you were going to see based on the cover, the cover looks like a straight up horror film. Yeah. Yeah. So, which yeah. is kind of odd because that would have thrown me if if I didn't sort of, yeah, something you know, I picked up. Either you told me or to me it was yeah. obvious at this point um, the way Vincent Price was acting. You know. Oh, yeah. I mean, when, but, when you watch it, you, there is no way you can be under any other impression with it. It's got a fucking talking raven in it. You know, it's, it's like, a, well, not, not so much a, a wisecracking yeah, raven, yeah. You know, because <laughs> that's the, it. Well, because Peter Laurie is kind of straight a lot of the time in his. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Pete, Peter Laurie, I mean, apparently, I mean, Peter Laurie, this, this I found really fascinating. Apparently, Peter Laurie. Um, was very improvisational. He was mm, like okay. he was that kind of an actor where he knew what he knew what he was doing and he knew where he was going. So a lot and apparently most of his best lines in this are him. Mm. <laughs> like he he just came up with the jokes and the responses and things like that. And you know it's like and um, so, but um, it would fuck Boris Karloff up completely because Boris Karloff <laughs> is. You learn the fucking script and yeah. you perform the script. So I'd and imagine Vincent was, Price might be right with it, but Vincent Price was basically the mediator on this because yeah. I think Boris <laughs> Boris was like sort of what the fuck. Whereas Vincent Price could handle both. Vincent Price mm. knew his lines, but could also improv. Because mm. um, he could do a like, cheeky little smile and basically, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he had to be the sort of mediator. In fact, if like Boris was just completely thrown off by Peter Laurie. Because that's the thing is, Peter Laurie kind of never does the same performance twice, mm. basically. So he knew the gist, or it was like, oh well, that that, that got a laugh, so I'll I'll do that again. But he was like, yeah. So, but I mean, I think everyone's fucking fantastic in this. I'm obsessed with fucking Peter Laurie anyway. But <laughs> you know, and I just, but the thing I was really pleased to hear about is him and Jack Nicholson basically created their characters. Because mm. there was nothing in the script about like their sort of relationship of him sort of like doting on his father and his father being a complete arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> they sort of came up with that and all the stuff like where he keeps like picking bits of lint off his clothes and stuff like that and he's, he's slapping his hand away. That was all shit that Jack Nicholson and Peter Laurie came up between themselves <laughs> because they were like, yeah. So, yeah. And a, yeah, apparently this was like Roger Corman said. This is probably the most like improvised film that he did in terms mm-hmm. of certainly in terms of like dialogue and stuff. Because um, there's a really good there's a really good really short little interview with Roger Corman. It's like about five minutes on the Arrow Blu-ray. Um, and funnily enough, you saying about with the sex Lee, I didn't know about this. Um, but what they used to do is as they were making as they were doing the Poe cycle, they built a set then stored it and then would budget the film not including the stuff they had in storage so they would then bring out what they had in storage and add to it so that's that's why by the time you get to like mask of the red death and tomb of Nigeria, the fucking sets are enormous yeah because they always because they're (laughs) they're slowly accumulating Mm. sets as the films go on um but and again i think the, do you know the weirdest thing I got watching this was I just felt I was really like I can show this to Ted. Hmm. I mean, I mean, not at the moment. It's not animated, so I wouldn't give it a moment to fucking consideration. Yeah. 
But <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like this feels like I don't know a slightly well a more a less poncy bed knobs and broomsticks or something like that. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It yeah. has that sort of Disney adventure. Certainly, the battle at the end is very. Mm. That feels very sort of like a, a Disney film or a kids film or something like that. I mean, obviously, mm. you've got living corpses, baskets full of eyes, blood. But the, yeah, they're, they're definitely not scary. They're they're not scary, but co- conceptually, they're things that you wouldn't normally necessarily stick in a kids film. Yeah, <laughs> but even but you say with the but blood, if you had witches even, and you know, yeah, it's so like even that when the lightning comes through and strikes Peter Laurie and he disappears. Vincent Price mm. immediately walks over and sticks his finger and it goes, it's Raspberry Jam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. And actually, I think I, I often sort of, because obviously you've got, because you've got the three, the three leads and you've also got Jack Nicholson knocking around in there. I, I forget about Hazel Colt because Hazel Colt is quite unusually, she, she did Hammer and then did these. Because mm. she's in... Because what is it? Ingrid Pitt refers to her as the first Hammer girl, hmm. or like the because she's in uh, Curse of Frankenstein. Yeah, she's Elizabeth in Curse of Frankenstein, and then she did uh, what was the other bloody Hammer film she did? It was like the uh... yep, that was me making fart noises with my mouth. Um, oh yeah, the man who could cheat death. Um, and then she turned, obviously, then she, but she then turns up, she does the premature burial, which is the only non Vincent Price Poe film. Great movie. Like AIP, Roger Corman Poe film. And she's in Mask of the Red Death. Yeah. So, yeah, she's sort of, um, it's quite weird that you get, you know, she's worked, it's like, you've worked with Peter Cushion and Christopher Lee and Vincent Price and Peter Laurie and Boris Karloff. That's quite <laughs> a, you know, that's quite a resume. Unbelievable, um, isn't it, for one person also, to have worked with all of them? And and she's in like she was in Devil Girl from Mars. Um, her last, actually, her last. Well, I was going to say her last credited role, but no, her last role was uncredited um, at a party in the Omen Three. So it's <laughs> like, yeah, she was just always um, involved with horror, but she moved because she was she's she's English and. But she was born in Birmingham, but she moved literally, I think, like the year before this was when she moved to Hollywood, hmm. uh, like moved to L.A. from from uh, England. Um, a lot of Western stuff as well, didn't she? Uh, she did. Yeah, she did a lot of, like Gunsmoke and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think. Stagecoach West and those type of. Yeah. And although she's not done much else, I think Olive Sturgis, like Estelle, the daughter. Yeah. I think she's fucking good. Oh, you yeah. And, and again, she, you know, if you've forgotten Hazel Colt, you've definitely forgotten that she's in it because she's not really, she didn't really, I, I, I think she's had, like, she had a film career, but not, like, you know, nothing particularly notable or certainly of interest to us, I suppose, is yeah. the best way. That's how I work through, that's how I work through it. It's like, oh, well, I'm going to mention that obscure fucking, like, three-minute short because I've seen that. <laughs> but I won't mention I won't mention Titanic because it's shit. So yeah. yeah, we do do that quite a lot. I find that sometimes we go, 
oh, so-and-so, wasn't he a tiny bit part in this little thing once? Yeah, and then you go, <laughs> yeah, and then he was the main person in Shinder's list or something. You go, oh, was, oh, I don't care about that. <laughs> but, yeah, so I take it you enjoyed uh, enjoyed Chris? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I mean, is there... Uh, what? What is the worst Vincent Price film? Like, we haven't seen a bad one yet. There must be some bad ones. I don't know. I think there's, there's, there's probably a few sort of duller, like, sort of noir ones and things like that, where it's just like, you know, sort of gangster. Just doesn't sort of quite hit the. Sort of okay. There was, what was the one I started that I didn't get through? Confessions of an Opium Eater or something I tried to watch. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you've mentioned that, actually. Yeah, uh, and again, he was fantastic in it, but everything else in it was just really mm, dry okay. and and kind of he couldn't, even he couldn't pull it out of the fire, <laughs> unfortunately. Well, there was that famous thing. I mean, we'll, one day we're going to cover it anyway, I would, I would guess. But there was that wonderful thing with Witchfinder General, wasn't it, where he was having an argument with the director. And he was, and he said to him something like, "I've done 150 movies. How many have you done?" And the director said, "I've done two good ones." <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, after that, he was all right with it because it was like, "Well done, <laughs> fuck you." <laughs> so, yeah. So you've mentioned Witchfinder General a few times. Um, so I, in my head, I think that's a good one. It's oh, again, again, it's great price, right? But it also gives you the range because it's one of the few films where it's like there's no there's no sort of campness to it. Because I mean a lot of the stuff mm, we've watched okay. with Vincent Price, obviously Fives, Theatre of Blood, it's, it's, this, yeah. you know, they're, they're fucking bloodbath of the house of yeah. death. They've obviously, <laughs> you know, they're sort of comedic to varying degrees. But there mm. are um yeah, like Witchfinder General is a very straightforward, it's essentially a revenge western. Yeah. Mm. Okay. But yeah, it just, I think it just ends up in the horror section more because of the presence of Vincent Price and technically the presence of witches. Mm. But, you know, when it's Matthew Hopkins, yep, yeah, Matthew Hopkins, thank you. Um, <laughs> but I was just worried then I was going to say fucking Anthony Hopkins. Anthony again. Hopkins, yeah. yeah. So Anthony Hopkins, Witchfinder General. <laughs> so, but yeah, I think that's, it's like, um, for example, one day, I mean, if we if we ever got round to it, I'd love to cover uh, M, the Peter Lorre uh, yes. silent film. I would love. Well, mm. no, no, it's not silent but anyway. Um, no, I'd love to cover that. But again, that is Peter Lorre utterly divorced from what you've seen him doing in these mm. uh, Edgar Allan Poe films because he is um, just sinister and just okay. yeah. Yeah, well, that'd be interesting. But I mean, yeah, because I mean, I suppose we've seen. I mean, we've seen Karloff. Obviously, we we watched Curse of the Crimson Altar, and um, and we've seen him play Frankenstein's monster. Mm-hmm. So we've se- we've seen Karloff in quite you know sympathetic or actorly sort of uh, roles. Whereas I think, yeah, the, certainly Peter Laurie and most of Vincent Price, I think we've always had the much more comedic tongue and cheek stuff. But yeah. then that's the good stuff. Yeah. I mean, even, even like, like we were saying, even Mask of the Red Death, which is, you know, it's grim, but it still has that 
like you've eaten too much quality street um <laughs> feeling that all of the poe corman films have mm. you know it's like queasy strange colored they blur yeah. things on purpose quite a lot yeah not only that but also mask of the red death is one of those ones that you want to you know and i'm i'm not being specific here but you just want to take world leaders and heads of state and sit them down in front of it yeah <laughs> it's like yeah what's happening well we're gonna have a party while everyone's dying on the plague outside yeah <laughs> watch this you shits <laughs> and if you and if you smell gas don't worry <laughs> like i gas them it's a firing squad i've got plans <laughs> but um the because actually i was also trying to work out with um like with Jack Nicholson, I mean, let's face it, we know Jack Nicholson. But I was trying to think what he's done in terms of actual horror. Mm. So we've got The and Shining. Well, obviously, there's The Shining. You've got, um, uh, again, more of a definitely much more of a horror comedy, which is of Eastwick. Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, Wolf, which I can't even remember. I remember I've seen it. I've definitely seen it like once, maybe like two or three times. I had it on video. It's so funny you say that. Like that was. I'm exactly the same situation. I've definitely seen it, but I couldn't tell you a single thing about it. So I don't think mm. that's a good sign. But um, it's, it's not necessarily a good sign, but it obviously means it wasn't egregiously bad. Yeah, true. So, but yeah. So, and, and obviously he's... Um, Again, Mars attacks sort of boulders into uh, definitely comedy horror. Yeah. Um, and the original Lit of Sharp of Horrors, which would have been one of his first Corman jobs. Yeah. Because uh, uh. isn't he, he's, cause he's the guy who goes to the dentist, isn't he? He's yeah. basically Bill Murray's character, isn't he? Yeah. From, uh, yeah, like the guy who... The the, yeah, the... the Sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The masochist uh, yeah. character in the dentist in the dentist bit, yeah. And now all I've got right in my head is I have your dentist. <laughs> <laughs> so I will apologise. <laughs> fucking lost my train of thought. But the, yeah, the problem here is I've got Vincent Price's IMDb up in front of me. Uh, and I now think I'm probably not going to sleep for the next two days because I keep going, oh, the tingler. I'll have to get that off the shelf. Oh, I haven't seen the bat in a very long time. Oh, I could just watch House on Haunted Hill. Like every film on there, I'm like, yeah. I could sit and watch any of these right now and just be in absolute heaven. See, well, mind you, I mean, looking looking back with with because I always just jot down what we've covered before. We so, um but yeah, so obviously for Vincent Price, we did, we've done Tales of Terror, House on Haunted Hill, The Abominable Doctor Fives, Theatre of Blood, uh, The Fly, and Bloodbath of the House of Death. And it still doesn't feel like we've really scratched no. the surface majorly with Vincent Price. There's still so many, like say, there's the William Castle stuff. Yeah. We've only covered um, House on Haunted Hill with that. Hmm. There's so many sort of great, um, there's so many, Vincent Price appears in so many different hotbeds of good horror. 
or sort of good, you know, uh, and strangely enough, reasonably priced horror. Yeah. <laughs> That's the politest way I can think of saying it, I suppose. But, um, Chris, I'm yes. sorry I'm going to put you on the spot here. Oh. But, obviously, when um, Peter Laurie is doing his magic, uh, would you be willing to try and translate the Latin phrases that he uses? <laughs> I, have, I have them written down. Yeah, go on. <laughs> I know, I, I know, m- most of them, uh, well, a couple of them are pretty standard anyway. So we'll start, we'll start with the easy one. Uh, Veni, Vidi, Vici. I came, I saw, I conquered. Yep. Uh, this also any international listeners I do apologise if at any point I do an accent that even <laughs> remotely approaches where you live because it would go weird <laughs> as I'm trying as I'm trying to sound properly like I can do the Latin do you know what I mean dude um de mortuis nil nisi bonum <sighs> mortis sounds like death yeah uh, bonum. It, it's not to do with bones. Uh, no, no. It's I'm not sure. See, the trouble is, is again, I'm asking these questions. Don't I don't know. know what the individual ones mean. So, <laughs> not only that, you're also dealing with someone probably doing pronouncing it completely fucking wrong. The demotis nilnisi bonum. Sounds pretty good. That, that, that's going to get offensive, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Possibly to a dead pump. But that's I was just about to say, if any you know Latin speakers are offended by this, uh, then get back in your time machine and uh, find something more important to be offended about. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, well, that one means... Uh, I can not... see a one star in our future. <laughs> that one says, that means do not speak ill of the dead, apparently. Mm. Uh, this one I really like, Carve Canum. It's, it's too tempting to say what it sounds like. <laughs> I will cane well, you and carve you. No, no, it's beware of the dog. Civis parsen parabellum. I mean, fuck me. <laughs> uh, now, parabellum, I've heard that. I, I know it's a gun, I'm not, but I'm sure I've heard the... Oh. It probably is. Yes. But I, and I'm sure at some time in the last year, I found out what the word meant. And I was like, oh, yeah. But I can't remember what it was. I just remember thinking, like the gun. Well, yeah. Well, so I would have thought par- parabola or parable. But again, it just sounds like those two words, which often Latin doesn't sound anything like the word that it is. Well, that, that means if you want peace, prepare for war. Oh. So I'm assuming mm. that Parabellum, if someone's named a gun after like weapon, it, I bet, yeah. I bet it's not called peace, is it? <laughs> Peacemaker. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe it is. I don't know. And then this one. Seterum sensio carthaginum esetelentam. And that doesn't I'll, sound like your everyday phrase to me. No, it, it does mean, furthermore, I believe that Carthage must be destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> we might have been here a while for me coming up with that. I know. Yes, Parabellum means prepare for war. 
Ah, that, okay. The none of the main. Can I, can I just say? And I'm going to bite you in a minute. <laughs> if, 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 if I have offended these long dead Latin speakers, you've got one word for prepare for war. So I yeah. think you're a bit aggy anyway. So, you know, I'm yeah. going to take it with a pinch of salt. <laughs> there, there is going to be like Latin speaker society that is going to come across this and be very upset with at least one of us. They'll oh they'll be very upset with me because I think the 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 accent just I don't know what was going on there it did it did end up as it was basic comedy pope I think I ended up at. <laughs> so yeah <laughs> comic relief pope yeah. I think <laughs> now you've definitely offended someone <laughs> yeah the pope I mean, I, yeah I mention, oh yeah chances are he won't hear this pope. <laughs> His favourite film, The Raven. Um, <laughs> Which one? Oh, well, this one, obviously. Oh, yeah, of course. It wouldn't yeah. be the other one. They're not going to like uh, John Cusack. Um, oh, no. Oh, no. Um, I, I have just remembered as well, my, I think my, one of my favourite Vincent Price movies, actually, isn't a horror film, but it's well worth checking out. Uh, if anyone has never seen Shock from 1946... It is absolutely amazing. Is that William Castle as well? I believe it is William Castle. Yeah. I don't think, um, I'd be honest, I don't think I've seen it, but yeah. It was, I got it on one of those, um, oh no, it's uh, Alfred Worker, apparently. Oh, um, okay. I got it on one of those, you know, like five Vincent Price movies on a, you know, disc thing. Yeah. Um, so I just chucked it on one night. It's fantastic. So a woman goes to a hotel to wait for her husband who's returning from World War II. And from her hotel room, it, she sees through the window opposite a man murder a woman. Uh, so when her husband doesn't turn up because of what she's seen, she goes into shock and they take her to the local asylum. And the guy who runs the asylum is Vincent Price, who she saw murdering his wife in the hotel. So he's mm. trying to Ooh. keep her in there. And she's trying mm. to convince people there's nothing wrong with that. It's really, really good. That does sound good, actually. But I think, actually, the one thing that we've probably not mentioned is the fact that, obviously, it's got F all to do with the poem. Yeah. You know, Apart this from the is... fact they read it at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, they read it at the beginning, but that's it. And, but other than that, it's because it's weird, because obviously... Um, because you've got like the I don't know, I don't know about the John Cusack one, isn't it? Isn't he actually Edgar Allan Poe? Yeah, he's Edgar Allan Poe, and someone is murdering people in the style of his stories to frame him, basically. So he so Edgar Allan Poe has to turn detective to find the killer to clear his own name, effectively. Right. And he's got a pet raccoon for no reason whatsoever. Well, it probably well. Because the other guy must have a pet monkey to <laughs> redo re murders in the room. So, yeah. but because um, because yeah, because the and the Boris Karloff Bella Lugosi one, Bella Lugosi's just obsessed with Edgar Allan Poe in it. And other than that, he's a mad scientist blackmailing, like he disfigures Boris Karloff and then blackmails him into killing the father of a woman he fancies or something like that. It's something like that. I watched it not yeah. that long ago. Um, 
but yeah, again, it was one of those that I couldn't sleep at one o'clock in the morning and I stuck it on. I remember quite enjoying it, but yeah, I couldn't tell you much about anything yeah. that happened in it. And I keep, and it's just exactly too similar to the black cat as well. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. I think actually, I mean, when, when we've got, we've got to boil down to the fact that probably the only people, the straightest adaption of the Raven is Treehouse of Terror. Yes. When the Simpsons just get James yeah. L. Jones to read it. That's basically, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is, which says a lot when it, but then, I mean, none of the Poe, none of the Corman Poe's are, they're sort of like short stories played out and things like that. So a lot of them aren't quite the plot, but, I do love the fact that they were, I mean, that's probably what it was, where it was like, well, we do a comedy, so we can just write what we like, we'll just go with the Raven, because mm. who's going to tell us we're wrong? It's a page long. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say as well, it's the, it's the picture that you've got up behind you, Adam, of your background, uh, is when Peter Laurie is still the Raven and he's drinking <laughs> the formula. And him and Vincent Price are putting their heads up and down. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that Raven's actually. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say that. That yeah, he's got to be no, one he... of the best animal actors, and we've had a few decent animal actors. Yeah, we have actually, but I think uh, unfortunately I don't think he's named or her. Uh... Or, no, the Ra the Raven doesn't have a name, unfortunately. But no, he's a great actor. Mm. It really is, and. I mean, I was thinking what we could do is if we were to ever refilm the Raven, we'll get um, uh, we'll get Alex to um, bring one of his trained crows. You know, <laughs> I've, I've seen him with him on the Instagram as he tempts them. So yeah, uh, yeah it'd just be uh, yeah, just be um, cheaper than hiring one certainly. I'd imagine, <laughs> but they are no, they're really. Um, and Vincent Price works really. Actually, everyone yeah. works well with them because, like later on, it's with because there, there are points where they're like running through falling rubble, and it's, and it's right like, by them. Mm. Yeah, and then fire and stuff like that. That raven is going apeshit. It is clearly like because you you can you can train him, yeah, but you can't just sit just walk him through the scene. Yeah. And say, well, what's going to happen is the load of rocks are going to fall down there. Don't worry, they're polystyrene. Be fine. And um, yeah, then there's going to be a big fire come out of there. Crackle, crackle, crackle. But don't worry about it. You know. <laughs> and but apparently, though, um, Jack Nicholson uh, did say that the uh, that uh, the bird shit everywhere. And mm, um, yeah. on him specifically. But then watching <laughs> the film back, I was like, no wonder. <laughs> you're running through fire with the bird on your shoulder. I'd have shat on you if you'd have run through fire with me on your shoulder. <laughs> so, and it's such a big bird as well. It's not often you see mm -hmm. like a raven up that up that close to a person to get the kind of the clear perspective. Yeah, they they're essentially chicken sized. It's sort yeah. of yeah, they are actually quite quite large, but the um yeah, I, it's uh I mean, do, do you think that they ever turn him back? I mean, it's hardly it's hardly left on a cliffhanger like the thing. <laughs> but, you know, I'd imagine that Vincent Price is quite pleasant enough to do it and then just has to threaten him with it every time he gets asked. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, the thing I love as well is how Peter Laurie 
it's like when he goes in and he's just absolutely, yes, thank you, and trying not to be noticed. Then he's two drinks down and it's like, I challenge you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and the, 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 line that, the line that got Claire was, um, you're defending yourself, you coward. Yeah, Jennifer laughed out loud at that yeah. as well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think, and also there is just something, the wonderful thing with Boris Karloff is how, because in real life, obviously, he was a very lovely, gentle man. So I'd imagine that talking to him is like when he's pretending to be nice in films. Yeah. Before he reveals himself to be the bad guy at the end. But it's like, I, but he just, you do just sit there and say, maybe he is nice. I don't know. He seems such a gentle old man. Yeah. Bless his heart. Because he had, I think he, he hadn't done a film for about four years when he did this. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah, because I think I think just basically he was sort of obviously he was getting on, so he was looking to sort of slow down and retire. Um, and that's why, although Vincent Price is flying around on a chair, which apparently made him want to throw up, um, <laughs> um, that's why there's not so much movement with Boris Karloff because apparently he was just really. I mean, he. I think he was like arthritic anyway. He was getting on. Um, we'd already we've talked about the fa- the fact that he pretty much injured his back playing Frankenstein's monster back in the thirties. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think so. He was in a so he's very although he's very still in it, which sort of works for him as this uh, master wizard. It's probably more out of necessity than it is a necessarily an acting choice. Because I think, yeah, he's sort of like getting, he was sort of like starting to uh, slow down at this point. Uh, it's, it's funny as well, because whenever you think of him, as you mentioned, like in Frankenstein's Monster, he's such a tall, monstrous mm. character. And then when you see him next to Vincent Price, and I know Vincent Price is particularly tall, but yeah. Boris Karloff looks really small next to him. And you're like, how did mm. he play this huge, imposing figure? When you know he, he only comes up to Vincent Price's shoulder, but I, I suppose clever that's camera the, angles. Yeah, but, I was going to say, but it's then, the beauty of film. But then, is this like when we saw Noel Fielding and we were shocked at how tall he was? Yeah, because <laughs> he just stood next to Julian Barrett, who is a medical giant. <laughs> and I think it might be the same sort of thing. I think Boris Karloff is quite an imposing figure. I think just uh, uh, Mr. Price just had the thing on it, which. And actually, I would watch Vincent Price and Peter Laurie as a fucking double act going around. Yeah, yeah. Like, but uh, yeah, I was going to say, um, even just them trying on the clothes together, like yeah. they could just do that oh. for two hours, and I'll just sit yeah. there and watch it. And it's like <laughs> that is just very entertaining. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll just pull it up a bit. Try this. Try this hat on. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see. I can't see. <laughs> like, how can they just make that just so? Oh, so I, again, it's definitely we've said it loads of times, but it's that the comedy horror thing mm. is just the fact that you can do one definitely seems to indicate you can do the other. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know whether it's 
having to deal with ridiculousness or having to keep a strict because the worst thing you can do with comedy is act like you're in a comedy yeah mm. you know it's, it's like they're playing this as straight as it needs to be you know if this was a serious film they would play it i don't think they would play it necessarily much different yeah mm. the lines might be changed and there might be less business you know bumping into the uh <laughs> the telescope and stuff like that but i don't think that i don't think the the sort of pitch of it would be much different because I, I, I do wonder if that's what happened with Leslie Nielsen. Because I think Leslie Nielsen started think, playing Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. Rather than when you go back and when you watch like the original series of Police Squad, mm. it's the, the beauty of it is the fact that he is playing it like he's in Columbo or Mission Impossible <laughs> or any other number of things that have a more, you know, are. are purporting to be real yeah mm. you know and yeah as soon as you start like mugging to the camera and sort of yeah. doing waka waka and you're a bit like oh fuck off mm. yeah so, yeah i think it's the right. difference between genuine eccentrics and radio djs you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's a point as so i know we've got a, um we don't we've done a couple of these we can't come back to it quite as quickly as i'd like to but Comedy of Terrors, I still would love to show Chris yeah. Comedy of Terrors mm. because it's it's just more of this. It's just but it's just Vincent Price and Peter Laurie, yeah. as you say, just doing that, but being shits about it. And it's and Basil Rathbone just being yeah, absolutely my favourite Basil Rathbone movie. I think without a doubt. Um, there it does sound like we need that on the list then. Yeah, definitely. yeah, we definitely need to cover. I, I mean, I. I will happily do the Poe cycle eventually, mm. you know, which at that point sounded like a dietary problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I would, I think, you know, that's who knows how and when and where and how we'll do it. It won't be like a structured thing or anything like that, but we'll end up doing the six films of the Poe cycle and we'll do, uh, Comedy of Terrors as well because yeah. they're just yeah. It's like, and Again, we've got to do the William Castle stuff and I, yeah, I, I I could just do a Vincent Price podcast. I'm not going to lie, I just love his films so much. Yes, <laughs> there probably there probably is one out there, and if there isn't, we're copywriting the Price is Right <laughs> as our podcast title. Because <laughs> the good thing is we've already done like eight episodes of it or something like that. Yeah, we're, we're halfway so, there. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not even remotely there. I mean, he's, I think he's, he's definitely a 200 job. Yeah. So, but, um, but yeah, no, we're, we're, we've got to do those. Oh. What's happened? Uh, yeah, The Full Price is a podcast about Vincent Price. So ah, okay. It does exist. Yeah, we have also got to mention, uh, or I'd like to mention anyway, um, I still like the old radio plays from the sort of 40s and 50s. Mm, uh, yeah. and, and well, right up to the 80s, some of them were fantastic. Uh, and his series, The Price of Fear, was incredible. Um, yeah. Some of them he voiced characters in, and some of them he just did like an intro, and it was all just a 
just a normal radio play. Uh, the the man who hated scenes, I believe, is the one that's him and Peter Cushing. Uh, and I, I've listened to that half a dozen times, and it's just one of my favorite. Oh, and Lot, there's another one called Lot. Lot 237. Possibly, about the painting that people oh, no, buy no, no, there at. No, I'm thinking of, I'm, there's a different one, which is, um, it's the mummy story that I think Conan Doyle wrote or Bram Stoker, I can't remember oh, which. okay. Yes, that, that is probably my favourite mummy story because it was the one that was the ladybook of the mummy as well, when they had Ladybird Book of Draclia. Lot 132, I've just Googled it. It's on Radio 4 Extra. Uh, cool. Um, Actually, and uh, him and Peter Cushion also did that sci-fi thing, Aliens of the Mind. Yes, um, we like that thing. the other week. Yeah, which is, I mean, again, it's good, but there are points in it where it's like, it's meant to be all kicking off, guys, and you really don't sound that bothered. <laughs> you just sound like you're having fun with your mate, you know. It's not <laughs> <laughs> um, so on that note, uh, I think we should wrap this up. Um mm-hmm. Definitely go out and check out this movie because it's fantastic. Uh, check, I, I, as we were saying earlier, as Chris pointed out, I have seen probably 40 odd Vincent Price movies. I barely scratched the surface mm. and I've never seen anything crap that he was in. Uh, so, so, yeah, any of these films, if you're looking for somewhere to start with Vincent Price, just start anyway. I mean, I'd say House on Haunted Hill is is a good place to start but yeah any of any of these are uh, are, are a good in really Roger Corman's or the I, I, I think yeah I think we've covered definitely the we've covered some of the best but also some of the best introductions to Vincent Price because I would argue Dr. Fives is as well although it's yeah. slightly more unusual because he's Talking, I was about to say he's talking out the back of his neck, but that just sounds like <laughs> that sounds like my dad moaning about someone lying. <laughs> so, talking out the back of his neck. Uh, yes, so check those out. Uh, we've got a listener request for our next episode. Adam, Ooh. would you like to tell everyone what we're going to be doing? Yes, well, listener Joe Watson. Hi, Joe. Thank hey. you for Hi, Joe. your continued support because he, I know that uh, I know that he mentioned this a little while back, and then he reminded me um, that we, uh, he asked if we could cover ghost stories, the uh, Jeremy Dyson, Andy Nyman uh, oh. film adapted from their uh, stage show of the same name. Yep. And um, yeah, I'm, I mean, when he said it, and I, I spoke, I mentioned it to Lee, and uh, yeah, we were both like, well, yes, yeah, fucking great film, so it's you know. one of it's one of those films that's so it's so good that uh, that I, I can't believe we haven't. It feels mm. like we've definitely no, I'm, covered I'm it sure. and I've forgotten about I'm it. I'm sure I remember yeah. you both getting excited about it at one point. Yeah, because I think I think it has come up. I think it has come up on you know it's come up on the show probably when we've watched it. You know, just like and um, but I know that yeah, I think it's one. Like you say, Lee, I think it's one where because he, he he even said you might have covered it already. I'll have a look back through. <laughs> yeah. through and I was like, no, we haven't. But again, it feels like we probably would have done by now. Yeah, it's <laughs> in our wheelhouse. Mm. Um, yeah, it's some of our favourite people. 
it's that fantastic it's got comedy elements but the horror is mm. real again this is one that i've had people say to me they've kind of watched through their hand because it's it's, it's really creepy i mean even when we saw it at the stage show it, mm. in a theater full of people it could still creep you out really successfully so that was that was definitely the thing and it's probably just this the it's probably the only thing that pips the stage show over the film for me is just because I'm used to a film creeping me out. I'm not Somehow used to going to something live and it's like, fuck me. You know, we're sitting there going, well, I'm allowed out. You know, so, so. <laughs> God, I just got to go to the lamp tree. Um, while, while, um, while uh, we were like, while I was, uh, messaging back and forth with with joe he also obviously mentioned dead set because of andy nyman being in that which again uh. you know, was a particular favorite this end yeah um but also um i thought and uh, this is this is certainly uh one that i think uh, lee might be able to help with at some point um he did message us he messaged us earlier today uh, watched the new Candyman today, and Frank and frankly, I thought it was absolute dog shit. <laughs> Interesting to see what you guys think once you've seen it. Now I know that Joe, because again, we should have mentioned it before, but I know we were sort of when we did the Candyman episode. I know Joe likes Candyman, yeah. yeah, like the original, and so it's now it's like okay, so maybe maybe it won't be, you know, it may not be up to snuff, yeah, um, you know, and I think. Um, because interestingly enough, he came up with that idea of call. It, they should have just called it the Forbidden. Yeah. Waited until it got in, and then he said, and then you just put in the Candyman music, and it's like, yeah. I know that there is not a single production place on the planet that would give up the advertising yeah. revenue and the opportunity to live off the Candyman name. But fuck me, would that have that been amazing? That's it. But do do that well, you know, and yeah. that could market itself. That is one of those hairs but... up the back of your neck moments. Yeah. If, that, yeah. if that were to happen, you went in to see a mm. film you thought unrelated and all of a sudden. <laughs> but again, yeah. this was my, and it, it, I was discussing this last night with Adam, actually. Um, I was trying to work out why I wasn't particularly excited about the Candyman film, because, mm. the, you know, the new one. The remake, yeah. Um, and as I say, I think it's because the first film for me felt as i said at the time sort of too stretched out as if there wasn't enough story for an hour and a half so the fact that then they're then trying to make a second film 30 years later i was like when have they ever made a film 30 years later a follow-up that's ever been any good and within an hour of thinking that i was on my phone and i went oh hocus pocus 2's just started filming and i was like <laughs> well i've just shot my own theory completely out of the water there but then it's there seems to be like and again, this is something we said about last night where it was like, there's just this rather annoying thing of reboots, remakes and ostensibly sequels. But because they're so, because they've come so late, they're just calling them the same fucking name. Yeah. yeah. It's like, that's just pissing confusing. Why are you doing that? Yeah. It's not like you, and it always feels a bit to me like you're trying to overwrite it. Yeah. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, in, in, that is in a, a fine purely, line. Yeah, in a purely computer sense, if you type in a file and then give it exactly the same yeah, name, you will right. overwrite it. And yeah. I think they're sort of almost likely to do the same thing culturally. Yeah. I don't know. But saying yeah, that, but, I was listening to White Zombie the other day, 
and it's been a long time since I listened to them and I was getting a bit excited for uh, the remake of Adam's Family. Monsters. Oh, is it Monsters? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tim, Tim Burton is doing well, I, Adam's Family. Yeah, well, I still mix oh, those two up. So. Yeah, I th- I'm not sure if it's animated or not, but I know Tim Burton is doing a series, like Adam's Family series. But no, no, we haven't actually watched any Adam's Family, have we? No, we no. have. I mean, they're both all right, but they're very mm. much. I was ah. about to say, but they're all very much in a family-friendly type of. But a lot of the stuff we watch is, so I can't really. Uh... I think actually, um, and this this is just just it's just advice as from one parent to another, Chris. Mm. Um, there's the animated one that came out a little while back. Mm. Um, with uh, Pooh Dameron is the voice of Gomez uh, and um, various good. other people, yeah, and that is good. that's actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we've checked. And, and the other um, thing, um, I've been following uh, Rob Zombie on Instagram for a while now, but mm. yeah, since the announcement, <laughs> <laughs> since the announcement of the monsters, like he's putting everything on there as it happens. So, like, here mm. are the blueprints oh, wow. for what. Uh, for for what their house is going to look like. Here is the ground mm. it's going to be built on. Here is the basic framework going up. Here is the first design for what Herman's going to look like. And it, it's really good That's, to kind of see yeah. it in real time, sort of all coming together, but without any spoilers. It's all very, mm. you know what I mean? Like it, it's not going to spoil anything if you know what the makeup's going to look like because you still don't know who's going to be wearing it and that type. So it's. Yeah, I, I find it really interesting, but I'm a bit crap at social media, so I've probably only seen about a third of the stuff he's posted because I only go on every few days and uh, see it. And I'm going to say I still think Astro Creep is a Astro Creep 2000 is a great song, even if it's their most oh. famous song. Like... I would have said more human than human. Sorry, yeah. that's white zombie. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, okay, yeah, that's that's what I was thinking of. See, I, I don't think I've ever listened to any actual Rob Zombie. Well, you must have heard Dracula back in the day. Uh, okay, yeah. Burn Dracula. Oh, I'm going to find that now. Yeah, I've heard it a million times because it used to be on Sledstorm on the PlayStation 3, <laughs> I think. Mm. It used to be at Hollywood's every Monday night. Yeah, and I would always get on the stage and dance to it because, you know, I was drunk. Sorry, there was a cat on the fence. I got distracted again. Sorry, there was a cat on the fence. <laughs> we haven't got a cat, Mum. Yeah, welcome to horror. Adam just pointed to the fucking pitch black garden <laughs> and went, <gasps> yeah, there was a cat. You might as well shit in your phone. Well, <laughs> well, that's not on the internet forever now. <laughs> oh, I'm leaving all that in. On um, that bumshell. <laughs> right, yes. So thanks very much for listening, everybody. Uh, go and check out the Not For Everyone podcast. Uh, go and check out Eerie Essex. Uh, Adam yep. recommended. I've listened to both of their episodes, and they are fantastic. Um, yep. It's reminded me of lots of places in Essex that I still haven't visited that are supposedly creepy and spooky, and I need to go and spend a bit more time in. Maybe now it's reaching the spooky season. Um, I also update, I did go to the American Werewolf in London collaboration with the Werewolf Brewery. Uh, mm. Beer was fantastic. Uh, the film was excellent. So 
when the Werewolf Pub opens in Camden, get your asses down there because I think it's going to be a bit special. <laughs> uh, yes, and go and check out Ghost Stories from 2017, and we will see you all in a fortnight's time for that. Thanks very much. Good night. Good night. Good night.